For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. of Over the Line, and we are live on Facebook today. We are switching it up a little bit. Actually, we're, we're just testing the waters to see how long it'll take Facebook to actually shut this live stream down since we are uh, doing like a conservative show. We figured they won't put up with it for too long. But, uh, we just wanted to test the waters. Welcome. It's been forever since we've been here. I mean, we did a show last week, last Monday, a little over a week ago. But life has been crazy. Things have been busy. And we just had to get some things in order so we could sit down and do one of these things. Uh, as you know, we've kind of switched our times. We're back to the evening, which is really where we started this podcast. The The first few shows, I guess first two or three weeks, once we got this thing kicked off, we were doing it at uh, at night, and uh, it it worked out better for us to do it in the morning, so we did that. Now here we are again at night. It's... Uh, it, it's it's been hard to keep up with, and I know you guys feel the same way that it's impossible to keep up with when Andrew's going to do this freaking podcast. But here we are. We're going to do it on Facebook. I know f- people frown on us doing the live show on Facebook because uh, people's attention span on Facebook is not very long. When you're on Facebook, you're in the business of scrolling through there, see what's going on. You don't usually stop and spend an extended period of time uh, on any given post or live video or whatever. 
but we're going to test it out anyway, see what happens. Y'all stick with us as long as you can. If you can't, that's cool, man. That's cool, cuzzy. Do what you got to do. I did try to fig- try to figure out where uh, this this watch party business, and I get notifications for this all the time. You host a watch party on Facebook, and basically whatever live video you're watching, it sends a notification to all your friends. Is that how that works? I'm not exactly sure. Maybe some of y'all that are uh, watching the live video here in the chat can tell me. I was going to test it out and try to do it for this video for, like, my personal Facebook. But I don't even know how it works. Like, I click it, and then it, like, freezes. It won't let me do anything. Introducing Watch Party, Watch Chat, and React to the same videos at the same time. Maybe it's not letting me do it because it's my video. And I can't watch my own video. I don't know. Y'all can do it. That's what y'all need to do. Y'all get on here, click uh, host a watch party, and just tell everybody on your friends list to come watch this video. And share it and show some love and give little hearts and thumbs up and all that jazz. So, uh, first off, let me do this. We've got a new sponsor of the show. It is theblacktux.com. You will be hearing about those guys uh, on the recorded podcast when you go listen on iTunes or Apple Podcast or Spotify and all that. We appreciate those guys being a part of this. Also, Nick the Marketer at nickthemarketer.com. I want you guys, first of all, since you're on Facebook, I want you to go over to nickthemarketer.com, his, his Facebook page, and I want you to give him a like. It'll take you just five seconds. Five seconds to go over there. Nick the Marketer, click like, and then you'll be following him, and you can sit back and relax for a minute, and I'll quit harassing you. But I want you to know the amazing work these guys do uh, as far as business owners and their digital footprint for their business. So whether they're selling products or providing services, whatever the case is, these guys are number one at making sure people see your website. They're, they're able to see your products, whatever you're offering. It's all right there. And they give you the ability to track who comes to your website who actually contacts you because of your website and all this. It's all there for you to check whenever you want. You get to use the same software that they do. It's absolutely amazing stuff. It's software that they own. It's not some third party. It's not something they bought off the shelf at Best Buy. It is their own software. They own it. They built it. Absolutely amazing stuff. So nickthemarketer.com is the website. nickthemarketer.com, 205-610-9550. 205 9550 Get in touch with him. If you need any of that stuff done, just make sure you tell him you heard it right here on the Over the Line podcast. And uh, show him some love. Let him know that you appreciate him supporting this show. Uh, I really struggled as we got ready to kick this episode off as to what exactly I'm going to be talking about. And mainly because after being off, really we did one podcast in a matter of two weeks, maybe longer, probably longer than that. Like we took a very extended vacation, obviously uh, family members passing away, just different stuff dealing with, and we just wanted to get through all that before we came back. Uh, But there's so much that has happened in really a short amount of time that I don't even know where to start, cuz. 
So actually, I, th I think what I'm going to do is just pretend like the last two weeks didn't happen and just start today like I've been doing the show all along. That's all I know to do. That's it. Uh, also, OverTheLineShow.com is the website. Um, you can go there to listen to the show, but uh, if you want the easy route, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, um, any any podcast platform you can think of, we're going to be on there. So go and subscribe that way. Leave a review. Show some love. It'll uh, it'll make me very happy. And every time you do that, a um, snowflake gets its wings. That probably sounded bad. But something good will happen. So go do that. Subscribe. Rate. Give some nice words. Whatever. Uh, let's start off with... I guess the Democrat field for 2020. Since I've I've been on here last, there have been several people announced that they're running. We really haven't talked about Kamala Harris that much, nor have we talked much about uh, Kristen Gillibrand. But most importantly, the latest announcement coming from your boy Beto O'Rourke. And I've heard so many different nicknames for this guy that I don't want to like join the click, join the crowd, and start calling him uh, Beta O'Rourke, which it's very fitting. Now that we're seeing his real personality and he's coming out and apologizing for being himself, um, it is extremely fitting. But this guy, this guy is a gift to Donald Trump. We know Donald Trump likes to make fun of people, especially on the campaign trail. He likes to take shots at people and and um, mess around, if you will. Tank shots, uh, whether they're deserving of the shots or not, that's just his thing. That's That's always been his thing. He's that kind of guy. He likes to pick on people. That's Donald Trump. Uh, this guy, this, this Beto O'Rourke, Failed Senate candidate in the state of Texas is such a dweeb and has so much baggage that he's never going to get off the ground. And what's amazing is the guy has raised a, a, a record amount of money for his uh, presidential campaign just in the first few days. Remember all the, the talk of the town was Bernie Sanders raised so much money. No, 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 no. It's a grassroots campaign. Oh, look at Bernie Sanders. He's blowing everybody out of the water. And then Beto O'Rourke comes along and beats Bernie Sanders. So, obviously, the name of the game, at least on the Democrat side, is that uh, the bigger dweeb or the bigger loser you are, the bigger the loser, the more money you're going to raise. I mean, it makes sense. Look at your your voter block. Look look at your, look at your supporters. Uh, they're looking for a dweeb. They're looking for a loser. Uh, that's what Democrats do, apparently. But I want to concentrate on Beto O'Rourke because I heard some comments from him today, and this was uh, he was being asked. I, I don't even know where he was at. He was at some sort of. Um, campaign stop he's been going all over the place because first of all he's not like the other candidates he don't have a job uh, beto o'rourke is unemployed why because he couldn't win his senate race 
which is not a good start when you're running for president. But he doesn't have to go back to Texas, and he doesn't have to go back to Washington, D.C., the Senate, to, to vote on, on legislation or whatever the case is. He doesn't have to do any of that. He can spend all his time on the campaign trail from now until election time. So that is a big, big advantage that this dude has. Uh, is that going to help him? I highly doubt it. But it is a big advantage, and for any other... Uh, any other presidential candidate, I feel like they could really take advantage of that stuff and really make something happen. Beta O'Rourke, probably not so much. But he's all over the place. He's in Iowa. He's in New Hampshire. He's in Wisconsin and whatever else. Talking to the people. Trying to get a feel for uh, the, the pulse of middle America. Because Democrats are out of touch with middle America. We know that. He's trying to get them figured out. So when he goes up and he talks about what middle America needs and what he's going to do for them, he can have somewhat of a clue. It was funny. He was in Iowa just the other day. And I guess this was Iowa, and there was some kind of 5K going on, and he was involved in it. And he was jogging by some guy. And uh, I guess the guy asked him what he does for a living, and he's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm running for president. And the guy had no clue who he was. He was like, oh, well, that's cool. What what party are you with? <laughs> that's also not a good start. I've, I've, I've watched each and every Democrat candidate announce their run for president and get off to a horrendous, horrendous start. But I think Beto's got him beat. Anyway, he's at one of these stops, and he's talking about, or he's asked about the electoral, electoral, not electoral college, and what he thinks should uh, should happen because the talk of the town is obviously that it needs to be abolished. That's the thing for the Democrats. Why are the Democrats so adamant about that? Well, yes, it's partly because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote in 2016, but Democrats are just in the business of they can only win when they either break or change the rules. That's why they're so adamant about changing the Constitution. If the Constitution is a living document, and they can go in there and just swap a few things around, they'll be able to do everything they've ever wanted to do. They can redistrict, they can go off the popular vote, they can allow... Uh, you know, 10 counties within the U.S. to decide each and every election cycle who the president's going to be. That's what they want. It's the only way they can win. Changing the rules. It's also why they're so, they're, they're, they push so hard to add congressional seats in the states that are going to vote their way. For instance, California. They're letting all these illegals pour in and head over to the West Coast, head over to California, so then the census can, can be conducted, one where they fought to take the question off, are you a U.S. citizen, and show that there are tons and tons of people in California and they need an extra congressional seat, which chances are means an extra Democrat in office. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting down the, the, the rabbit hole here. Let me go back to Beto O'Rourke. This is what he said 
about the electoral college. I think there's there's a lot to that um, because you had an election in 2016 where the loser got three million more votes than the victor. It puts some states out of play altogether. They don't feel like their votes really count. So if, if we really want every to vote and give them every reason to vote. We got to make sure their, their votes count and go to the candidate of, of their choosing. So I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's a lot of wisdom in that and in, in, uh, making sure everybody's voice is heard. This guy, first of all, I, I, I think he is genuinely, I, I think he's serious about what he's saying. I, I think he believes himself what he's saying is, in fact, true. That because of the Electoral College, it is silencing the vote of, of tons of Americans. When actually, it's quite the opposite. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's actually, if you do eliminate the Electoral College, that's when a majority of Americans will be silenced. Now, I want to break this down for you real quick. And uh, I'll give props to Brian Peoples. You remember him. He was on 101 with us. Joe Lockett Show. Still there, uh, by the way. But he put out a great thread on Twitter today that really broke this thing down. And I've done this on the show before um, in my very simple-minded way. Uh, but I want to throw it out to you one more time. Now, here's where it starts off. You've got several points. Just going back, if you're reflecting on the 2016 election, there's several points to make as to why the Electoral College has got to be a thing. Why we have a point system that goes by state to decide who the president of the United States is going to be. There are 3,141 counties in the U.S. In 2016, Donald Trump won 2,626 of those counties. Hillary Clinton won 515 of those counties. That means Trump wins 84% of the counties in the U.S. That's just one point. Now, just keep in the back of your mind that these are people saying that Hillary Clinton was robbed of the, uh, of the presidency because she won the popular vote. But Donald Trump won 84% of the counties in New York. Now, let me tell you why. Even though Clinton won the popular vote by 3 million votes, in five counties that encompass New York City, which is the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Richmond, and Queens, Hillary Clinton received 2 million more votes than Trump. In those five counties alone, she got 2 million more votes than Trump because there's so many people there. And that 2 million, as you know, almost makes up for the amount of, of votes that she won via the popular vote. So she won 2 million more votes but she only won four of those counties. The five counties alone more than accounted for Clinton winning the popular vote of the country. 
But these five counties, now here's where I'm, I'm going to put it in perspective for you. These five counties compromise 319 square miles. Five counties, 319 square miles altogether. The U.S., the U.S. is compromised of 3,797,000, I'm sorry, let me back up, 3,797,000 square miles. So out of almost 4 million square miles, Hillary Clinton won 319 of them. So when you have a county that encompasses almost 4 million square miles of territory, it would be ludicrous to even suggest that the vote of those who inhabit that mere 319 square miles should dictate the outcome of a national election. That is why we have an electoral college. Because of what Beto O'Rourke said, just flipped around. The Democrats say we need to eliminate it because people's votes aren't counting. Their voices are being eliminated and the American people are not getting the president they want. When in reality, if we eliminated it, that is when that would actually be true. 80 or more percent of the American people would then be silenced. Those Americans would then have their vote canceled out because of a bunch of tree-hugging hippies that live in the big city. Five counties, five counties boosted Clinton two million votes up, even though Donald Trump won a majority of the rest of the country by a long shot. Here's the thing. When Donald Trump gets out there and he starts bragging about, oh, you know, I had the biggest win, the biggest electoral win, I won the most counties, everybody loves me. You know, he's he's not exactly lying. Now, they're going to continue to tell you he is, but he's not. He's actually, you go look at the map. Look at the map. Get the map where it shows Trump in red, Clinton in blue. The whole thing's red. The whole thing's red. So imagine Democrats get their way, electoral college goes bye-bye, Hillary Clinton is president, and you go back and you look at the electoral map, and it's all Trump. You're left scratching your head going, wait, how, how is she president? But people don't understand that. Voters, liberal voters, Democrat voters don't understand that. The politicians, the Democrats, do understand that, and they also understand that their voters do not understand that. That's why they can get out there and say those absurd things. That's why they can get out and repeat over and over that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, and she was screwed out of the presidency. It's just not fair. It's just common sense. She won more votes, so she should be the president. They don't ever have to explain the benefits of the other side. They don't. They don't have to. Because their voters are not looking for an explanation. They're only looking for one thing. And this has been driven by the politicians they follow. Whatever we got to do, just get Trump out of office. Change the rules. 
take a big, fat, stinking doo-doo on the Constitution, rip it in half, whatever. Lie, cheat, steal, whatever we got to do to get the big, mean, orange man out of office. That's what they want. That's all they want. It's not so much to ask for, right? Outside of Beto O'Rourke looking to, uh, and, and he's not the only one. I, I don't, I don't want to dismiss that. It's the rest of the, the, the Democrats are saying the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Got to get rid of the Electoral College. Outside of that, Beto O'Rourke is a genuinely weird dude for many reasons. This reason right here I, I just saw before we started this podcast. But apparently, after his loss to Ted Cruz, he ate dirt. And I don't mean like Beto O'Rourke ate Ted Cruz's dust like a figure of speech. I mean, literally, Beto O'Rourke was in the business of, of eating dirt. Now, I'll explain. I'll, I'll give you the story. <laughs> there, there's that, and there's plenty of other instances. I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Listen, I, I got so much crammed in my head from the past two weeks that I want to talk about. I, I'm, I'm getting squirreled. I'm getting uh I'm getting off track, so y'all bear with me. Um I'm gonna go with this story and, and explain this to you. So there's a new report on Beto and his marriage to real estate Harris Amy Sanders O'Rourke that says the former Texas congressman indulged in some bizarre cuisine following his failed U.S. Senate bid in Texas. O'Rourke found himself eating dirt that was, he was told, possesses regenerative, what's this word? Regenerative powers. He's eating dirt because he's told it holds regenerative powers during one of his stops in New Mexico. He's talking to the Washington Post. The Post said he also brought some of the dirt back home to Texas for his family to eat as well. Now, we're a lot of you guys are from Alabama. I'm from Alabama. You're from Alabama. Some of you are just from the South in general. Y'all remember mud pies. You remember playing around with your friends, with your kids, and daring them to eat dirt. Or you're out there wrestling in the yard, and you end up getting your face pushed in the ground, so you inadvertently eat dirt. But I don't remember, at least in, in my adult life, me, my friends, or anybody I, I really know, eating dirt just straight up eating dirt and maybe I, I can't speak for you guys maybe y'all know some dirt eaters but there's only one other adult that i've seen do anything resembling that and that's les miles who does eat grass former head coach of the lsu tigers now that only helped him so much because as you know he no longer has a job but uh Besides LSU's Les Miles and Beto O'Rourke, I don't know anybody that's in the business of doing that stuff. Maybe y'all can uh, 
Y'all can tell me what I'm missing on there. Uh, so Dirt Eater Beta O'Rourke, he's not only that that that's that's one of the least weird things about the guy. This guy, first of all, is going around apologizing for being a white dude and just eating up with white privilege. So that's the first thing. Because the Democrats, for some reason, they feel like it is a big no-no for them to nominate a white guy. That's a big problem for them because they don't judge people by the content of their character. They judge them by the color of their skin. That's why the Democratic Party is the party of racists. Um, so he's going around apologizing for that. He also found himself being forced, I guess you could say he was being forced, to apologize for making a, an off-the-cuff comment about how his, and I, I'm, I'm not going to quote him because I'll mess it up, how his wife does a great job of raising the kids while he's at work and, and while he was a congressman and whatever else, and that sometimes he helps occasionally. Now, that seems like a regular dude comment to me. I've heard a hundred people say that in the past. Not a big deal. But you never take this stuff at face value when you're dealing with the left. They lost their ever-loving mind because he made an insinuation, I guess, and this is a stretch if you ask me, that his wife is shackled to the bedpost with a chain just long enough to reach the kitchen, slaving over a hot stove, changing dirty diapers, doing laundry, and chasing kids around the house. That's all she does, and it's all she's good for. That's the way they took it. And he literally came out and apologized. This guy is a gift. This guy is going to be a gift to Donald J. Trump if he's the nominee. I don't think he'll ever survive, although he seems to have a pretty good bit of momentum right now. I don't know that he's going to make it. There's too much stuff coming out. You know, there was a prior DUI arrest. I saw the GOP Twitter account actually. <laughs> they tweeted out a picture of his mugshot and put like a, a, a St. Patty's Day hat on his head. And it says, please don't drink and drive. And uh, It was funny. But there was another thing that came out. And I think I saw this on uh, uh, Life News. And it was a a a paper or a story that O'Rourke had written while he was in high school, while he was a teenager. And it was a paper about him fantasizing about running over children. Now, this was some sort of fiction, I guess. So he's writing a story. Man, I wish I could find this thing. Hold on, let me pull it up, because I've actually got the exact excerpt of uh, of his paper. Come on, I should have had this ready. Let me pull it up real quick. Here we go, here we go. Y'all hang with me, cousin. LifeNews.com, pro-abortion candidate Beto O'Rourke fantasized about running over children with a car. Okay, this is a thing. Um... He says in his paper, hang on. Where's it at? 
Where'd you pay for Cuzzy? Um, here we go. One day, as I was driving home from work, I noticed two children crossing the street. They were happy. Happy to be free from their troubles. This happiness was mine by right. I had earned it in my dreams. As I neared the young ones, I put all my weight on my right foot, keeping the accelerator pedal on the floor until I heard the crashing of, of the two children on the hood and then the sharp cry of pain from one of the two. I was so fascinated for a moment that when after I had stopped my vehicle, I just sat in a daze, sweet visions filling my head. What? This dude wrote a paper about running over school children and being excited about it. Man, that's serial killer stuff, y'all. That would be front page, all over the headline news, wall-to-wall coverage, talking about this paper. But two things stand in the way. One, he is running for the Democrat nomination for President of the United States, so the media will not attack him, nor bring this up. And two, killing children is pretty normal for the Democrat Party. They like killing babies. It's kind of their thing. So, of course, they're not freaking out about it. But this dude, this dude fantasizing about running over children. And it's so funny because this is this is the exact stuff that Democrats paint Republicans as being. And Democrats are actually writing papers about this, fantasizing about running over children. You're a member uh, uh Blackface Ralph Northam, governor of Virginia, when they had their election and uh, Northam was uh, running against, what's his name, uh, Gillespie. He was running against Gillespie, the, the Republican candidate for governor of Virginia. They put out an ad against Gillespie that that portrayed a, a, an old white guy in a pickup truck with a, uh, a Gillespie sticker, bumper sticker on his, on his bumper and like a Confederate flag sticker. And it shows him driving through a neighborhood and then all of a sudden he comes up onto uh, children. A group of children, three or four of them, uh, boys and girls, Asian, brown, black, Hispanic, minority children, a very di- diverse group of children. This old white guy with the Gillespie sticker and the rebel flag sticker on this commercial sees those children, starts revving up his engine, and starts chasing them down. And the commercial is about those children running from this old white guy who wants to vote for the Republican, running for their life so they don't get run over. That was an ad they put out there and they ran in Virginia over and over and over. We talked about that when we were on the radio. It was absurd. But now to, to see that, as absurd as that was at the time and how outlandish that commercial was and how much, you know, even in the age of, of uh, political slander, even that was outside of the bounds, 
turns out the Democrats are actually fantasizing about what they're accusing Republicans of doing. And I know you're like, Andrew, well, you say that all the time. You say that whatever the Democrats accuse Republicans of, they're actually doing it themselves. Yeah, but I didn't even think they would go this low. I didn't think this would be a thing, but uh, apparently it is completely bizarre. So Beto O'Rourke, you might as well hang it up, cuzzy. That dude, he ain't gonna stand a chance. Uh, other candidates, Elizabeth Warren. Boy, she put out a good one just yesterday. I believe this was yesterday. She was asked about slavery and what her thoughts are on rectifying slavery. Now, most of us think, you know, rectifying slavery or fixing the the sin of America that was known as slavery would be ending slavery, which is what we've done. That, however, is not good enough for Democrats. They want much more than that. She was at a CNN town hall with Jake Tapper. University, Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Thank you so much for taking my question. Uh, I am an African-American female with, I'm an African-American female with five beautiful adult children and ten grandchildren. Oh, Georgia, count your blessings every day. (laughs) Please, please describe to me what a public, what a public apology to for 400 years of free labor yeah. in the South, especially Mississippi, will look like in the African-American community in the new election. All right. Thank you, Georgia. In the new administration. Thank you. The new administration. It's a done deal. Signed, sealed, and delivered, cousin. Uh, you can guarantee yourself that that was a setup question. Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton style, had that question before that poor lady asked. So, America was founded on principles of liberty and freedom and on the backs of slave labor. This is a stain on America. And we're not going to fix that. We're not going to change that until we address it head on directly. And make no mistake, it's not just the original founding. It's what's happened generation after generation. The impact of discrimination handed down from one to the next means that today in America, because of housing discrimination, because of employment discrimination, we live in a world where for the average white family has $100, the average black family has about $5. So I believe it's time to start the national, full-blown conversation about reparations in this country. And that means I support the bill in the House to appoint a congressional panel of experts, of people who are studying this, who talk about different ways we may be able to do it, and to make a report back to Congress so that we can, as a nation, do what's right and begin to heal. Thank you. Thank you. Senator, if I could just follow up. (laughs) 
We've got to start healing from slavery, says Elizabeth Warren. But her solution to heal from slavery is none other than reparations. And she'll be asked, as well as others, because other candidates have said the same thing. She'll be asked, who pays these reparations? Who's on the hook? Is it the evil white people who don't even know their great-great-great-great-grandfather that owned slaves? That doesn't even know anybody that knows anybody that owns slaves? Are those people the ones on the hook that need to pay the reparations? No, 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 no. We're going to leave it up to the federal government to pay those reparations, to give that money to those people that their great-great-great-great-great-grandma and grandpa uh, suffered through slavery. Horrible, horrible thing. But the people that don't even know those relatives and couldn't name them if they had to, those are the ones that are going to benefit from the atrocities of slavery. But if we're going to go down this road, okay, and, and that money comes from the federal government, uh, so no skin off anybody's back. Oh, wait, where does the federal government get their money? That's right, the taxpayer. So, yeah, the American people are paying those reparations. But that's neither here nor there. If we go reparations just for... Uh, we, we can't necessarily put together a system that is going to be able to accurately pinpoint those descendants of slavery. So we're just going to have to paint with a broad brush here. And we're going to say if you're black or you're brown, we're going to cut you a check for reparations. Line up. We're going to cut you a check from the federal government. It's basically free money. We just made it out of thin air. Nobody's on the hook for it. But we, the government, and the Elizabeth Warren administration, we want to apologize for slavery. Even though we didn't have anything to do with it. And really, you didn't have anything to do with it. But we're going to give you money because it happened. So where does that stop? Where are the reparations for... Uh, those that died in the um, as part of the Union in the Civil War, trying to free the slaves. What about those guys? If you're a descendant of somebody who died in the war, shouldn't you get reparations as well? Because your descendants are just trying to be heroes, trying to end slavery, so they're on your team, right? Trying to end slavery from the stranglehold the Democrat Party had on it. Those guys get reparations as well? Or no? What about African Americans that are descendants of, uh, of, of, of soldiers that, that also fought in the war and lost their lives? Do they get reparations or do they not count if, if they're descendants of someone who wasn't a slave? So it's going to be very tricky. If we're going to start cutting checks, we need to figure this out first. And, uh, also, well, I was going to say figure out how to pay for it, but we're already past that. So let's count it up. What we're going to do here, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do reparations. That's going to cost a few trillion dollars. No big deal. We're going to also uh, cut the new Green Deal. 
More trillions and trillions of dollars. What else we got? Um, we're going to undo all of the Donald Trump trade stuff so we can get back to uh, being bent over by other countries and completely screwed over. Want to get back to that, where we lose tons and tons of money. Going back. Um, Got to get back to where we're shutting down coal mines and steel mills. We don't want these... Um, these uh, lower-educated uh, Americans that are just trying to put food on the table for their family, we don't want them to have jobs at least like that. We would rather offer them a job at, at um, coding, computer programming, or building very, uh, very high-tech solar panels. You know, jobs that they'll, they'll never be able to do because they're on up in age and Maybe stuck in their ways. There's, there's a lot to do. You got a lot on your plate if you're a candidate. If you're a Democrat candidate running for president, you got a lot on your plate. You got a lot of stuff to do. You got to figure that stuff out. So best of luck to you, especially Elizabeth Warren. I'm telling y'all, this is um, this is this is going to be an interesting race, and, and I'm not going to dare come out and make a prediction about where where the race is going to go, who's going to win, or whatever. But I'm telling you right now, the Democrat Party is completely scaring off independent voters, average Americans, Americans that in the past were able to vote one way or the other. They could vote Republican three three terms in a row and then have no problem switching over to Democrat and vice versa. Those people, those independent voters that each party relies on to win the election, the Democrat Party's running them off. And it's because they're allowing these radicals in their party to pull them further left. As long as they keep doing that, they're never going to win an election. If they could throw up somebody like Biden or somebody like, man, I don't even know who else. If they can throw up somebody that's middle of the road, they might stand a chance. But that party has moved so far left that I don't even think they're going to do that. I think they've put themselves in a position where they are now going to have to put one of these wackadoodle leftists in the position of being the Democrat nominee. And that can only mean good things for Trump. That's why his approval ratings are up right now. If you go look, and I think CNN put out this article, it was absolutely deceiving. They said in the headline... Trump's disapproval ratings sink to a new low. President Trump's disapproval ratings sink over the past few days. Now, when you hear that headline, when most people hear that headline, you think to yourself, oh, he's got more people that disapprove of him. Which is the way they constructed that article. They wanted you to think that America is continuing to sour on Donald Trump. But what it really means, if his disapproval rating is slipping, 
that means he's getting more popular. And the result, that is the direct result of the Democrat Party continuing to move left. Bottom line, period, dot it. End of sentence, cousin. It is the direct result of Democrats heading left at full speed. Quick break, back on the other side. Over the line, overthelineshow.com. Live on Facebook tonight as we're testing out our abilities here to to do stuff and things. Y'all hang tight. Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew, at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. show.com Andrew McLean hanging out with you on Facebook Live. Thank you to you guys that have uh, taken a moment to stop by. You will be able to hear this show in its entirety on your favorite podcast platform as soon as uh, that thing goes up, which shouldn't be long after this show is over. So go check that out. Also, make sure you go check out our sponsors as well. Show them some love so we can keep this bad boy going. Um, Some other things I want to get to. Again, since we've missed a couple weeks, it's going to be impossible for me to get to everything that, that I want to. 
I could probably do a 24-hour podcast just on items that, that I've missed over the past two weeks. But I'm trying to give you guys some cliff notes as to what's going on. The, the shooting in New Zealand, something else that we, we missed that we didn't get to really uh, talk about, which is a horrible, horrible thing, as you know, that, that happened out there where this, this white supremacist uh, came into uh, two different mosques and shot them up, killing uh, up to around, I guess, 50 people or so. Um, these things happen because evil exists in the world. And if we want to get biblical with it, we know why evil exists in this world. And it's not going away until the end is here. Evil will continue to exist uh, in this world we live in. It's just up to us to continue to love people and do what we can to to stop evil. Now, those are points you won't hear most people making, at least the loudest voices that are discussing these issues as to what happened. How do we keep this from happening? Now, New Zealand, in a very proactive manner, they have decided to immediately jump to gun control to fix the issue. So we'll see what moves they're making. Um, we know here in this country that does not work. That will actually make the problem worse. But we'll let them deal with their own issues. The loudest voices, the media, Hollywood, Silicon Valley, these guys have done everything in their power to instead of talk about the issue of crazy people going going and murdering tons of people or even just white supremacy or mental illness or any of this stuff, they've instead of talking about those issues and trying to, to, to find the root cause of, of, of these horrible things happening. They have spent their time, yes, talking about white supremacy, but tying this guy, his white supremacy, tying it all back to the one and only Donald Trump. That's what they've spent all their time doing. Now, this is in New Zealand. A guy that uh, actually, in his manifesto, mentioned Donald Trump and said that uh, he doesn't like the guy. He likes some things about Trump, but for the most part, uh, as a um, as a leader or as the president, he he hates his guts. Says no way, don't like the guy. But still, they find a way to tie Donald Trump uh, back to uh, this nut job that murdered uh, 50, 50 or so Muslims. I see Trevor Noah over here. He made some comments saying Trump and the New Zealand shooter are both products of the same white supremacy. And that's just one of many, many comments that have been made uh, by these people. Uh, they're repeating it over and over and over on the mainstream networks. So and one thing I continue to hear, and this is not new, you know this, you've heard them say it time and time again, is Donald Trump has a 
a, a track record of white supremacy, of 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 promoting and defending white supremacy. He's got a track record of it. We know it. We've heard it out of his own mouth. That's why we call him a racist, because we know, we know he's a white supremacist. The big thing they hang their hat on is what happened in Charlottesville and the comments thereafter. You will hear, or you, you probably have heard over the past week since this happened, the term very good people repeated over and over and over. Very fine people, I believe, was the exact terminology. When Donald Trump in Trump Tower held that press conference, he was asked about the people in Charlottesville. He said, this is horrible, horrible behavior. These are horrible people. Uh, it's, it's such a tragic situation that this happened and that somebody lost their life. But there were very fine people there as well. Specifically being distinct in the fact that the guys that perpetrated this and just that group in general were not very fine people. They were actually the worst kind of people. But that there were people at that rally on both sides that were fine people. Now, what was he referring to? Well, he's giving the protesters the benefit of the doubt, and he's calling them fine people. That could probably be debated, but we'll, we won't discuss that. When he said both sides, and he refers to the other side, the opposite of the left-wing protesters, he's talking about the people that were originally there for that event in, in Charlottesville. And that was people that were simply there to protest the removal of Confederate monuments. They weren't white supremacists. They weren't marching around with tiki torches saying, kill the Jews and all this stuff. They were just people that were standing up for what they felt was right. For their heritage or, or whatever reasoning they had to be there. And they had just as much of a right to protest as the left-wing Looney Tunes that were out there. So they're out there doing their thing peacefully, expressing their, their disgust and their disapproval of the removing of, of uh, decades and, and hundreds of years old monuments of, of their ancestors and whatever. And then the other protesters come along and they're like, no, you're a racist, you're not the Confederate, blah, 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 blah. And then the skinhead whiteys come in and then that's when the problems start. He referred to very fine people as the protesters from both sides. That excludes the Nazis, the white supremacists, whatever you want to call them. He wasn't talking about those people. And the media knows that. The media absolutely knows that, but they continue to repeat that lie over and over and over because it's just part of the echo chamber for them now. Again, I go back to Beto O'Rourke and Elizabeth Warren and whoever else repeating the, 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 the thing about the Electoral College and how it needs to be eliminated and how Americans' votes and their voices are being silenced because of the Electoral College. That is completely untrue and the exact opposite is true. They don't have to explain themselves. They just have to say that electoral college bad, popular vote good. 
Use your common sense. Popular vote. Most people vote. They should win. No details have to be given. The media, the same way. When they talk about this and they say Donald Trump said that there were very fine people on both sides, they never have to give you any details. They never have to explain further because they know they're talking to a crowd that doesn't really want the truth, that doesn't want an explanation. They want to be spoon-fed what they should know. So they repeat those phrases over and over and over with no explanation whatsoever in hopes that Donald Trump is not only a racist, a bigot, Islamophobic, but he is also a guy that said white supremacists that killed a young lady at a protest are very fine people. When it is completely untrue, they do not care whatsoever. And I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. But when they repeat these over and over and over, and they've been debunked over and over and over, they have no shame. They don't care. They'll continue to push these lies. And they justify within themselves, throw the journalistic integrity out the window, throw morality out the window, throw the 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 the, the uh the moniker of serving the American people and making sure they get 100% accurate information, throw all that out the window. They don't care. It's okay for them to lie. It's okay for them to attack the president with lies. It's okay for them to do anything that's unethical, anything that's immoral, anything that at any other time in history would have been a big fat no-no. It's okay for them to do as long as as it promotes the one and only objective. And that is destroy the guy who stole a presidential election and is now sitting in the White House as an illegitimate president, Donald Trump. Everything is justified. Every dirty tactic, every lie, every slander. It's all justified. For the first time in history, those things are justified because they have the moral high ground. They have the moral high ground because Donald Trump has to be removed by somebody. And if they got a life, they got to cheat, and they got to steal to do it, it's only for everyone else's good. Just remember that when you hear this bull hockey that's being pushed out there. One objective, no rules. It's why Republicans or conservatives have turned on Republican politicians. Because Republican politicians want to continue to play by the rules when they're up against an opponent that doesn't give two drops of, of, of monkey shiz about rules. They don't. And you're never going to win a fight with somebody who's not playing by the rules when you are doing so yourself. If you're going to play by the rules, you're never going to beat the guy that does not play by the rules. You got to throw it out the window. It's just like this mess with the national emergency. Some Republicans 
are biting their fingernails and they're crapping their diapers because Donald Trump dared call the national emergency to get funds diverted to the border wall. Well, he can't do that. It's uh, setting a precedent that uh, Democrats are going to utilize when they're in office. They're going to call a national emergency on climate change and gun control. I'll call a gun crisis and take everybody's guns. So you mean to tell me that you think Democrats will not do that if Donald Trump backs off and says, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I realize the laws on the books. As president, I have the power to do so, but I'm not, I'm not going to call a national emergency. And then five, ten years down the road when a Democrat's in office and they're thinking about declaring a national emergency over gun violence, they're going to say, you know what? There was that time back in 2019 that Donald Trump um, could have declared a national emergency on the border, but he didn't. So I guess that means we shouldn't do it either. Yeah, right. Democrats aren't going to care because they don't play by the rules. So you got one of two choices. You can say, um, we're afraid, we don't want to set a precedent, so we're not going to let Trump declare a national emergency. And then five, ten years later, the Democrats declare a national emergency because guess what? They have the right to do that, just like they had the right to do it before Donald Trump even started talking about the border. Or you can take advantage of it while you got it, secure the border, start saving the lives of the American people who are either dying from murder, who are either being raped, who are shooting up too much heroin, overdosing and dying, who are dying from fentanyl. You can do that and put a stop to it. Or you can just let Americans continue to die and Democrats are still going to do what they want to do. It's simple as that. It's those weak-kneed Republicans, the reason that Donald Trump won the presidency. I mean, it's one of many reasons, obviously. A strong message, a strong work ethic while you're on the campaign trail. Getting out to cities that Hillary Clinton wouldn't dare go to. It's a message that resonated with people. It's a backlash of the years of Obama and stagnant economic growth and scandals, which ran rampant through that administration. Well, it's many things. But one of the primary contributors were those rhinos, were those establishment Republicans. Another thing that's in the headlines, as you know, John McCain versus Donald Trump. And I've heard this discussed all across talk radio today. And people are very divided on this. And, and for those of you that are watching the live video, I, I want to know your opinion on this. We posted it on the Over the Line Facebook page. By the way, uh, if you're listening to the recorded version of this podcast and you haven't liked the Over the Line Facebook page, please go do so. Over the Line, I believe it is facebook.com slash Over the Line or Over the Line Show. I'm not real sure. You'll find it. Just look it up. But I want to know what you guys think about John McCain 
in Trump going after him. Now, this happened a couple of days ago. He happened to mention John McCain in a tweet. This started a firestorm where now Meghan McCain is tweeting back at the president, taking shots at him. He has yet to directly take a shot at Meghan McCain that I'm aware of. I have not seen one. But he has taken a couple of shots at John McCain, in particular for two things, the famous no vote on repealing Obamacare, and the other one being the main promoter of the fake dossier, the fake Russia report. He's the guy. He's the guy that took it to BuzzFeed. He's the guy that put one of his staffers on a plane to fall to, to, to fly halfway across the, the world to pick this thing up and then spread these lies all throughout the country, throughout the media during a presidential campaign. Lies about the nominee of his own party because he was a bitter old man. And here's the thing. And I think this is why Donald Trump has no problem with bringing these issues up. John McCain passed away a bitter old man. He never let that stuff go. And he went to his grave even after death at his funeral. Being a bitter old man fighting with Donald Trump. We all remember it. He didn't want Donald Trump at his funeral. None of that. He held that hatred in his heart till he took his last breath, we assume. Now, do we hope he got his soul right on his way out? Of course we do. But these are the things that put a stain on your legacy. You deserve respect for serving in the military. You deserve respect for surviving being a POW. And what you did there, even though some people will debate that and say he sang like a songbird or whatever, he deserves respect for his service. But for his actions after, for his actions while he was a politician, not much respect uh, needs to be and should be given, in my opinion. Donald Trump was meeting with the president of Brazil in the White House today. Reporters came in to pop off a few questions as they normally do. And one of them was about the uh, the shots he was taking at John McCain on Twitter. Here's how that interaction went down. I'm very unhappy that he didn't repeal and replace Obamacare, as you know. He campaigned on repealing and replacing Obamacare for years. And then he got to a vote and he said, thumbs down. And our country would have saved a trillion dollars and we would have had great health care. So he campaigned. He told us hours before that he was going to repeal and replace. And then for some reason, I think I understand the reason, he ended up going thumbs up. And frankly, had we even known that, I think we would have gotten a vote because we could have gotten somebody else. So I I think that's disgraceful. Uh, Plus, there are other things. I was never a fan of John McCain, and I never will be. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) I was never a fan, and I never will be. And why should he? I mean, John McCain's passed away. 
why why does Donald Trump all of a sudden need to to love John McCain and pretend it, it's almost like you know when a celebrity dies um you go on your Facebook and then all of a sudden all these people people who have never ever in the history of you knowing them mentioned this celebrity's name or shown any sort of admiration for this celebrity all of a sudden, according to their Facebook timeline, they can no longer live life now that this celebrity is gone. Their life will never be the same now that this celebrity has died, even though they've never mentioned that celebrity's name before. I think people have it in their head that that's how everybody else needs to act, or that maybe that's how Donald Trump should act. Donald Trump now has to have admiration for John McCain because he's passed away. Donald Trump has had a special investigator up his hind end for his entire presidency because of John McCain. And that should make John McCain happy. He should be excited about that. He should, he should have been happy that he caused some sort of political damage to this guy he hated so much. But no, he continued to be bitter. He continued to do whatever he could to railroad Donald Trump. And if it took railroading the American people in the process, so be it. Because his bitterness in his last years, his bitterness was much greater than his admiration for the people he served. His bitterness superseded what he thought was best for the American people. That was more important to him. Uh, I also need to talk about this uh, stuff about Kellyanne Conway's husband. Uh, we can talk tomorrow about some of the stuff that he has been tweeting at Donald Trump about calling him mentally ill, all this, that, and the other Donald Trump's finally responded uh, to the guy and said he's a total loser, but it's a bizarre setup because Kellyanne Conway, one of the one of the president's most staunch defenders, her husband is so anti-Trump he's out of his mind, allegedly. Now I've watched this stuff go down for a while. It's no secret that Kellyanne Conway's husband does not like Trump. He didn't start tweeting this stuff yesterday. But something is just not sitting right with me. And I don't mean that in the sense of uh, it's a weird situation because Kellyanne's husband hates the Patriot boss or whatever. I mean, something's just not right about that. I almost tend to think that this whole thing is a big work. That this whole thing is fake. It's not even real. This is some some master plan of just promoting the president. And Kellyanne's husband is not really anti-Trump. He's just playing the part so Donald Trump can have somebody to go toe-to-toe with. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's legit. Maybe he's serious. And Kellyanne Conway and her husband just have the weirdest marriage of all time. But I don't know. I'll let y'all decide that. I'm out of here, y'all. Thank you so much for hanging out. Check out this full episode 
on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Also, you can catch us on uh, OverTheLineShow.com. You can email the show, Andrew, at OverTheLineShow.com and get us on all of our social media. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. Until next time, see you, Cole. I explore you, still you love me.